Well, turning your Bibles to Luke 24. Go ahead and turn there. We're looking at the greatest event that ever happened. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We praise God. Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross to pay for our sin and then rise again three days later to pay uh, to uh, conquer death. And this is called the gospel, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning we're celebrating Easter. We call it Resurrection Sunday. We remember the death and resurrection of our Savior. Of course, we said a while ago, Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. That's why we worship on the first day of the week. So there's so much there as we look at it. You know, when you think about the Bible, there are mysteries. In fact, when people think about mysteries, you think, oh, yeah, there's stories like a, a book you're reading that has a mystery or you put on a, a movie or a TV or something that has a mystery. And a mystery is something that's hidden. And then as you go through it, you finally find the answer. Well, biblical mysteries are similar to that. Uh, a mystery is something biblical-wise that had been hidden in the past but then made known uh, in the future. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51, Paul says this, I'll tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep. That means we won't all die, but we will all be changed. And what he says is not every human being is going to die physically. There'll be a group of people that when Jesus Christ comes in the clouds that they will be changed immediately. He said, we'll not all die, but we're all going to be changed. He goes on to say, in the moment... In the twinkling of an eye. He said, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we who are alive will be changed. There will be victory over the grave. In verse 54 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, death is swallowed up in victory. What gives us the victory? Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, thanks be to God, gives us the victory through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died for us and paid for our sins and rose again, conquering death and giving us the victory. On Easter morning, we gather together to focus on the resurrection because by his resurrection, we have victory. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the payment for sin and we have the victory over death. Death is not the end. This morning, we celebrate the victory. The purpose of Easter is not to tell us that we should live better lives purpose of Easter is to celebrate the victory that we have over sin and death. We come together today to give thanks to our God who gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Let me remind you that Jesus Christ told his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem, that he'd be arrested by the Jews, he would be handed over to the Romans, he'd be tried and then put to death, even the death of the cross. And then he said, but then three days later, he would rise from the grave. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells five times to his disciples that same event. I want you to think about that day, that day that Jesus was nailed to the cross. For his enemies, it was a victory. For the soldier, it was just another day's work. For his followers, it was the death of their brightest hopes and dreams. Their Messiah and King was dead. If it stopped there, we would be of all people most to be pitied. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the grid, we have nothing. Can you imagine what the men felt that day, those disciples and the women that had been with him and the others that had been following, and that he, 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 they saw him do the miracles, they heard what he said, that he was the Son of God, that before Abraham was, he existed, that he was the I Am, he was the resurrection of life, he was the way, the truth, and the life. Over and over he said all these things, and then... They killed him, and he's dead. But that's not where the story ends. In fact, Jesus 
Christ is risen from the dead. The greeting in the first century was, he is risen, and then they would say what? He is risen indeed. This morning, we're going to look at three things quickly. We're going to go fast. We're going to see three things about the resurrection. First of all, we're going to see the fact of the resurrection. We're going to see that he rose from the grave. We're going to talk about the importance of the resurrection. Why does it matter? Because if Jesus said, I paid for sin, I paid for sin when I died on the cross, and he did, why does he have to rise from the grave? And what is our response to all of this? Let's think about the fact of the resurrection. We find that in, and if you're uh, in Luke 24, look back at Luke 23, at verse 53, and it says, they took him down, they took him down from the cross, and they wrapped him in a linen cloth. And they laid him in a tomb cut into the rock, which no one had ever laid. A guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and another guy named Nicodemus came to Pilate, basically, and said, we'd like to have the body. And, and Pilate actually was a little bit shocked and said he can't already be dead because normally when you put somebody on the cross, they suffocate. Sometimes it takes a day or two before they die. And, they, and Jesus is already dead. And so he says, he's already dead. And they call one of the soldiers. He said, is he already dead? And they said, yeah, he's already dead. He said, oh, you can have the body. So Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus took the body down, wrapped him, and put him, as it says, wrapped him in a cloth, laid him in a tomb, cut in a rock where nobody had ever lain. That's what they did. He, was, he died and was buried. Now, as we think about the resurrection, I want to look at three things. I want to look at three people. We want to look at the women at the tomb. We're going to look at two believers that they called on the road to Emmaus. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to look at the disciples. And we'll go fairly quickly through them. But let's think about the women at the tomb. If you remember that, it says in verse 55 of Luke 24, it says, now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how the body was laid. They watched him take him off. They watched him wrap him. They watched him put Jesus into this tomb place. And by the way, it's like the side of a hill, and they had a platform in there, and they put his body in there. And then they got a big old stone, and they rolled it in front of the tomb place so that the animals couldn't get in there and eat the body. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. That's what they did. They said, well, we'll come back in several days because the body's going to begin to decay. And when the body begins to decay, we'll come with spices and we'll keep anointing the body until there's nothing left but bones. And then when the bones are, it was just bones, we'll put them together. And they usually in those days had these bone boxes called ossuaries in which they would take families. They'd put whole families in these boxes of bones and they'd just be boxes of bones. So their plan is to come back and to do that. Well, look what happens. Chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, they're coming because this is the first day of the week. It's Sunday, and they've planned. You know, the Bible tells us they would work six days and rest on the seventh. First day of the week is Sunday. Last day of the week is Saturday. They just got through with the Sabbath day. And so then they've come out there to anoint the body. And it's, there's a woman named Mary, and there's another one named Mary Magdalene, and there's some others, and they've come out really... In fact, one of the, it, it's really dark. In fact, it says on the first day of the week at early dawn, one of the other gospels says that it was still, it was still dark. They had been talking on the way there about, you know, how are we going to move that stone away because it's a pretty big stone, so we've got to be really careful. We might have to call somebody, get somebody to come help us so that we can get in there and anoint the body. And verse 2 says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You know they were shocked when they got there and the stone is rolled away and they went, we, we can look, we can go right up in there. Wonder who moved the stone. It says, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Who could their thoughts be? Who could have got in here? Who, who moved, who got the body? 
One of them later on thinks maybe that the gardener, that the gardener was the person who had that section that he would take care of that area. They thought maybe the gardener had come and got the body. And you remember, it was Mary Magdalene. She was crying, and Jesus was behind her. And, and she turned around and said, tell me where you put the body. I'll go get it. She didn't even realize. But watch what happened. They entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed, trying to figure out where could he be, about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. Well, the best we could tell, those are angels, two men. And one of the other gospels says, that's white apparel. They've come to give a message to the women. Do you know that the angels came to give the message at the birth of Jesus Christ? And angels have come to give the message at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're going to remind the women of something they already knew. Notice it says that while they were perplexed about this, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing, and the women were terrified. And they bowed their face to the ground. And see, anytime people come in front, you know, angels, uh, people are afraid of angels. They're such powerful beings. And the women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? Every time an angel appears to people who are afraid, they ask the question, why are you seeking the living one among the dead. Why have you come here to find Jesus? You've come to a place where there's dead, but Jesus isn't dead. He's the living one. He's alive. He's alive. And then they go on to say to her, he is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee? He says, he is risen. He is not here. Those are great words, are they not? He is risen. He has risen indeed. Jesus Christ died for us to pay for our sins. But when they went out there, he's not there anymore. He's alive. He has risen. So he said, he's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you what he said to you when you were in Galilee? He said that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. That's what he told him. He would be crucified, that's his death, but he would rise again, that's his resurrection. He told him that over and over again. And it's almost like they went, oh yeah, yeah, that's what he told us. Because they didn't always grasp it. I told you a while ago that in the Gospel of Matthew, five times he says, I'm going to Jerusalem, be arrested by the Jews, handed over to the Romans, crucified, and three days later rise again. He told them five times. And now they're going, wonder where he could be. And the angel said, don't you remember what he told you? He told you that he'd be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And it says, and they remembered his words. They went, that's what he said. That's right. And then it says, and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to the rest. They went back to the disciples and said, hey, we went out to the tomb and the things rolled away and two angels were there. And the angels said, Jesus has risen and we couldn't find him. And remember what he said, he was going to die and rise again, so he must have risen again. And what did Peter and John and the rest of them say? I don't think you know what you're talking about. I think you lost your mind. We're going out ourselves and check this out. So we see... An empty tomb and two angels, and they remembered the message. They saw the empty tomb. Well, let's see somebody else. Let's see these two believers. They had been in Jerusalem, and now they're going to a little place called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. They had heard the message of the women that had gone to the tomb. They apparently were there in the morning when the women came from the tomb and said, it's open, angels told us Jesus is alive, he's not there. And so these, there's two men, and they've decided to go back to their home. 
and that's at Emmaus. And so look at verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. So the two believers are on the way, and they're talking about all the things that had taken place. You can imagine them talking to them and saying, what do you think? The women, the women said that he was alive, and, and they didn't find anything. And yeah, I, I, I don't know what to think. And then look what happened, verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached them and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Now, in that day and time, when you travel places, you usually traveled in groups. You didn't travel by yourself because robbers would jump on you and beat you up. So you always went in groups. And so these two men are going, and suddenly another man joins them. And they go, hey, yeah, you can walk with us. And so they're all going together. They don't know it, but it's Jesus. Jesus somehow has fixed it where they don't recognize who he is. It says, their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So watch what happens. And he said to them, what are the words which you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. Now, it amazes me. They've been talking, and Jesus said, what are y'all talking about? Probably said it that way. What are y'all talking about? And he said it, right? And they said, and they stopped, and one named Cliffus said, he said, stop looking sad, he was sad. He went, are you... Are you new around here? I mean, is this your first time in this area? Look what he says to him. One of them named Cliffus answered and said, Are you the only one just visiting Jerusalem? You're unaware of the things that have happened in these days? Well, what things had happened? I mean, if you ask Cliffus, he said, well, Jesus was the Messiah. We thought he was the Messiah and Savior, and the, 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 the Jews got him, and they gave him to the Romans, and they crucified him, and he died, and they put him in the tomb. And Do you not know about any of this stuff? And Jesus said to them, well, what things are you talking about? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, and in the sight of God and the people and the chief priests and rulers delivered him over. And we thought he was the Messiah and the Savior. We thought he was the one who was going to save us. They called him a prophet because Deuteronomy 18, 15, the prophet would come who would be like Moses, who would be the son of God. That he was arrested, he was killed, he was crucified. We hoped that he would be the Redeemer. We thought he was the savior of the world. We saw what he did. We've been hanging around with him for a long time. We saw all these things. We thought he was the one. But you know, sometimes what you think and what you get are two different things. They thought he was the one. But then they saw him arrested. They saw him crucified. They saw him die. They saw him put in a tomb. And you know, that pretty much ends it. At least in their minds, they thought, well, we thought he was the right one. But... Maybe he wasn't. However, then they tell this stranger, who is Jesus, they say this in verse 22. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early this morning, they did not find his body. They came saying they had seen also a vision of angels who said he was alive. And so some of those went out to the tomb. They found it just like the women also said, but they did not see him. So they're all saying, we don't know what's going on. The tomb is empty. Angel said he's alive. Nobody's seen him as far as we know. And then look what Jesus says. I like it. He said to them, oh, foolish men and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He said, you guys are just slow to get it. And listen, we can look at him and say, you guys should have got this. Y'all should have realized, didn't Jesus say he was going to die and rise again? How come y'all didn't grasp it that he's going to die and rise again? I bet you if we were there and we hung around with him and Jesus said he's going to die and rise again, we'd go, what did he say? I don't know. I didn't get it. 
and then he dies, and we go, well, looks like it's over. And so Jesus said, you are slow, foolish men, you're slow of hearts to believe in what the prophets said. What did the prophets say? That a Messiah would die, that a Messiah would come. Isaiah 53 any Jewish person would know Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way, but the Lord had laid on him all our iniquities. He was bruised, he was wounded, he was crushed for our iniquities. Who could that possibly be? It's the Messiah. Jesus is saying, don't you remember what the prophet said? The Messiah is going to die and rise again. Look at verse 26. Was it necessary? Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory. To suffer is his death. The, Messiah, the suffering servant of God, Jesus Christ. The Messiah would suffer and die, but then in his glory, he would enter into glory. That's resurrection and reign. See, Jesus doesn't just die and rise again. He rises again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the life givers, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. That's who he is. He is the King, Messiah, Savior, and life giver. And so he didn't just die and rise again. He rose again for glory, as it says, and to enter into his glory. Now watch what he does. And every one of us in this room, if we could have, we'd say, let me, I wish I could have been there that day, because look what he does. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scripture. You know what he did? He taught them the Bible. He got with them and as they're walking and talking and he tells them about the Messiah and he goes back through the scriptures beginning with Moses. That's the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy and the prophets. He, he put it together and he showed them how the Messiah, he showed himself in the scripture. He says, he explained them all the things concerning himself. You know he went back to Genesis 3.15 where the seed of woman would crush the head of the serpent. The seed of the woman is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. You know he went to Exodus where it talked about the Passover lamb and the Passover lamb would, would deliver them from the bondage of Egypt. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know he went to Psalm 22 where it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know he went to Isaiah 53 where it talked about taking on the sins of mankind. You know he went to Psalm 16 where it says you will not leave the Holy One in the ground. He'll be raised from the dead. You know he had to go to Psalm 2 where he comes as the King of kings and Lord of lords and rules in righteousness and justice. You know he took them through those scriptures. And what do you think they thought when he was teaching them? They were going, I have never heard anybody teach like this. That's what they thought. He taught about himself. Can you, would you have loved to have been there to hear Jesus teach about who he is in the Old Testament? We'd be going, oh, we'll take that class. We'd like to get into that. Wow. And then look what happened. They, they kept going. And then they got to their home in Emmaus, and Jesus said, I'll just thank y'all, I'll keep going. And they said, no, 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 stay here and eat with us. And so he did. And look what happened. Verse 30. When they had reclined at the table, when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he, he gave, began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Their eyes were opened. Can you imagine me with Jesus? And he goes, here, here's some bread. Take this. And he gave it to them. And all of a sudden, they realized who he was. And some people have said that when he gave it to them, they saw the scars. And they went, it's him. And he disappears. 
And verse 32 is one of my favorites. Because it says, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? He says, what? Our hearts were burning when he was teaching the Bible. And we realize now it was Jesus talking about himself. And you know what they decided to do? They decided to go find the disciples. And they'd already traveled. It was already dark. They'd already traveled seven miles. They're going to turn around and travel, travel several miles right back, and they get there. And it tells us that when they get there, before they can say a word, they're about to say, hey, we just ate with Jesus. Before they can say it, they, the disciples come to them and say, guess what, Jesus is alive. He appeared to Peter. And then they went, he appeared to us. We ate with him. There's one more, and that is the disciples. And notice, right in the middle of this event, as they're all telling each other how they saw him, while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst, and he said to them, peace be to you. While they're talking, he says, peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the one who paid for sin. He's the one who conquered death. All of us need peace. The Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And so Jesus is there. And they were all frightened. And he says, why are you troubled? And then at verse 39, he says, see my hands and my feet? It's me. Touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. He says, I got a real body. And then he did something. In verse 44, he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written by me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's what he just taught the guys on the road. And then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. They have to know what's going on. See, they're going to be the ones to go into the world and tell people that Jesus died and rose again, that he is the Savior of the world, that he is the, the Creator, the Redeemer, the Savior, that he died and rose again, that he paid for sin, that he conquered death. We see Jesus is alive. He is our Savior. He has conquered death. As Paul said, he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter. He appeared to the twelve. Then he appeared to 500 people at one time. Then he appeared to James, his brother. And then Paul says, and then he appeared to me on the road to Damascus. Jesus is alive. Jesus fulfilled the scripture. The women, empty tomb. The two believers saw him on the road. The disciples, he stood in their midst. Now with that in mind, what does it matter that Jesus rose from the grave? What's the importance of the resurrection? Well, two things. First of all, it proved that death is conquered. I want to read that to you. If you want to turn over to 1 Corinthians, you can. If you don't want to, you don't have to. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says that now Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. In other words, he's the first to come back from the dead, never to die again. In Adam all die, in Christ all shall be made alive. There is victory over sin and death, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has conquered death. And let me tell you, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, death would not be conquered. But because he rose from the grave, death is conquered. 
Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Now, there's something you need to understand. Death is conquered for every human being, not just believers. Death is conquered for every human being. Jesus Christ, every human being will exist forever. Now, that's different than eternal life. Life forever with Jesus Christ comes by faith. Those who trust in Christ, some will live forever with Jesus. That's eternal life, and that comes by faith. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. You will spend eternity with Jesus Christ because he has conquered death. You will be raised from the grave to have a glorified body that will never die, and you will be with Jesus forever. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ, the Bible calls it the second death. You will be raised from the grave to have a body that will never decay and you'll be separated from Jesus Christ forever. The Bible calls that the second death because Jesus Christ has conquered death. Every human being will be raised from the dead. Those who have believed in Jesus raised from the dead to have eternal life to be with him. Those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead to be separated from him forever. It's called the second death. That's why he conquered death when he rose from the grave. If you have never Trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. Right where you're sitting, right here. It's not, it's not your goodness, your works. It's not walking down an aisle. It's not, doing, it's not getting baptized. It's not doing good works. It is faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. He is the Savior. It's not by works of righteousness which you have done. It is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. He gives you eternal life when you trust in Jesus as your Savior, when you trust in Christ to give you eternal life. It is that simple. It is the grace of God. Jesus has done it all. He died to pay for your sins. He rose to conquer death. He offers to you the gift of eternal life. Take that gift. If you've never taken it, right where you're sitting right now, you can say, Lord, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that he died for me and rose again. I'm trusting him to give me eternal life. There's a second reason that it's important that Jesus rose from the grave because it proved our sins are paid for. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 17, it says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, the payment wasn't made because that, pay, that rising from the dead proves the payment was made. So why is it so important that there's no resurrection? If, 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 if there's no resurrection, we're still in our sins. Why is it so important? It proved that death is conquered. It proved that sins are paid for. Now, with this in mind, what's our response? Well, in Luke 24, in verse 45, it says, He opened their minds to understand the Scripture. And he said, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. That's the death and resurrection. And then in verse 48, he says this, You are witnesses of these things. It was their responsibility to go into the world to tell people how Jesus died to pay for sin and rose to conquer death. Guess what? We get to do the exact same thing. We get to go into this community, in this world, taking the greatest message that's ever been, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. We are witnesses 
of these things. So our response, first of all, let's realize the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. He has conquered death. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our, Lord, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you have never, and that's my thing, if you have never trusted Christ as Savior this morning, right where you're sitting there, you can put your faith in Him. He died on the cross for you. He paid for sin. He rose again. He offers a gift the gift of eternal life, which comes by faith. The second application, and that's the big one, and let's take this gospel message into this world. Let's do it. Let's proclaim the good news message. He died and rose again. Whoever believes in him has eternal life. Listen, the message is not works or goodness, but it is faith in Christ. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Acts 1.8, we're witnesses. John 3.16, whoever believes has eternal life. Life. It is that simple. May we proclaim the gospel. So this morning, as you think about our Savior, may we realize the victory we have in Christ. Sin is paid for. Death is conquered. May we trust in Christ as Savior if you've never trusted in Christ. And let us proclaim the good news message to our world.